Welcome back to the Dealmakers Podcast Show with serial entrepreneur Alejandro Cremades, best-selling author of The Art of Startup Fundraising and co-founder at Panthera Advisors. In this podcast, we ask our guests about their successful acquisitions and financing rounds. This episode is brought to you by Spigit by Soho CRM. So you don't have to use spreadsheets, notepads, reminders, and any of those different 10 apps to manage your customer information. I mean, think about it yourself. I mean, whether you are a startup, a small business, a freelancer, did you know that you can manage your business as effectively as at any large company? Within the current market right now, it's more critical than ever to retain existing customers while you're also staying on top of your pipeline of sales. So Begin supercharges your workflow and helps you engage prospects, manage pipelines, and close deals without skipping a beat. It has a super simple drag-and-drop interface, which will have you up and running in 30 minutes. And all the listeners of our podcast are really getting a really cool deal here. 15-day free trial along with 50% off and up to $100 when you sign up. So all you need to do is go to soho.to forward slash begin Pantera Advisor. Lastly, this episode is brought to you by BetterHelp. So as a founder, you need to always be in problem-solving mode and really being faced with challenging situations, whether it's with life or with the business itself, you need to find a way to find the better solutions, the solutions that are going to help you to really overcome that roadblock. And a therapist, a therapist like, for example, the ones that BetterHelp matches you with could be a good option for you. I mean, I remember, for example, for myself with relationships, with experiences, I've used therapy in the past, and it really helped with the loading, depression, anxiety. So BetterHelp is a really good solution. You could try it because it's convenient, it's accessible, it's affordable, and it's entirely online where you can get matched with a therapist that could be the right fit for you. So if you're interested in this, go to betterhelp.com forward slash dealmakers, and you'll get today 10% off for your first month. Alrighty, hello everyone and welcome to the Dealmaker Show. So today we have an exciting founder. You know, we're going to be talking a lot about building and scaling and also financing uh, and uh, going from investment banking to corporate to being an operator for other startups and now launching her own company. So without further ado, let's welcome our guest today, Caroline Childers. Welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you for having me. I'm really excited for the conversation. So you were originally born and raised in upstate New York, in a town that didn't have any red lights. So tell us about life growing up. Yeah, I think every time I tell somebody that I grew up in a small town, the very first question they always ask is, oh, were you just dying to get out? Um, and that wasn't the case for me. I, I had a, you know, amazing community that I grew up in that was really supportive and valued education and uh, loved where I grew up. I could go hiking every day, but I grew up in a really small, small town for sure. And it was definitely a, you know, eye opening as I started to venture out into bigger and bigger communities and, and arenas for sure. <laughs> so how, how did you develop this uh, competitiveness or this ambition? Like, how did that form? Yeah, I mean, I think I'm the youngest of three, all girls. Uh, so I was the little sister that followed my sisters around as they started to do sports. And I think as most younger siblings might recognize, uh, when you get to start earlier, you end up 
building some skills earlier. And so I, uh, I became really competitive in, in sports and I would travel nearly every weekend for AAU basketball and would, you know, compete in junior nationals. And I think for me, that was the thing that not only started to open my eyes, uh, to, all of the opportunity outside of the, you know, the town that I, that I grew up in, but really instilled in me like that rigorous work ethic, team building, and as pretty much anybody who knows me would attest, a high degree of competitiveness for sure. <laughs> and what was your sport of choice? Uh, it was basketball. I was a point guard. So that's amazing. Good stuff. So, so then in your case, you know, you went to, to college and then after that you went into investment banking, but it was not what you had hoped for. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't think that I went into investment banking thinking that, you know, this was my career and I was going to become an MD someday in investment banking. But I saw it for, you know, the opportunity to just build out a good skill set and to be able to be in the room with some amazing leaders who were thinking about, you know, strategically where their companies were going and um, just the learning by osmosis that you get from something like that in a very early stage of your career. Like I, I wouldn't have traded it for the world and it just built some really great foundational skills and strategic thinking, I think. Um, so, but I, I knew that I was not going to be there long-term and, um, I stayed there for about three years and then moved over to corporate and worked at the first one was Avon where I worked in business development and strategy for them and ultimately then went over to Victoria's Secret and worked there in a similar type of function. And even in those in those instances, like, again, great learning ground really helped me think strategically through, through things. But I think I was somebody who always like really loves to operate in an 80-20 mindset of like... I, I would oftentimes get bored when you're thinking about like fine tuning the final detail and really want to think about like the big swings that you could be doing. And so big corporate just didn't feel like the thing for me either, which meant that very quickly I found my way into into startups and I've never looked back. Now for you hitting reset, you know, was going to business school. You know, you went to to Harvard Business School and I guess you know, it's a great community. You know, I've met great entrepreneurs, you know, coming out of, of that uh, community. And I guess, what, what do you think opened up for you being able to go there and, 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 and being part of, of this community? What, what, what new horizons or things that you didn't know, you know, opened up? Yeah, I mean, I think that there are certain people who go to business school for the, the learning of it. And for me, I had done finance undergrad. I had worked in investment banking. I had been working in strategy in, in various companies that I wasn't going back to really learn about business. I was going back to meet people and to build a network. And I am somebody who is um, often much more introverted. So like I never, in the context of um, building my career, I never prioritized going out and meeting people and building that network. And uh, in many ways, business school was the the forcing function to go and, and do a lot of that. And in many ways, and I'm fast forwarding perhaps too much into Chief, like that was a motivation for me for Chief too, of it just wasn't a thing that I always proactively made time for. And that was really what business school provided for me was the the community of people and it is that community that ultimately then pulled me into startups because 
I hadn't even been thinking about it. And a good friend of mine had gone to Quidzy, the parent company of diapers and soap. And he called me and was like, hey, we're looking for somebody to launch this new vertical for us. Uh, I had none of the qualifications <laughs> to do said thing. Um, but, you know, we were good friends who really respected each other from business school and came in and, and interviewed because of that connection from business school, for sure. So what happened next? Because obviously, you know, once uh, once you enter the world of startups, you know, it's not something that uh, that you've left. You know, you, you're still in it. And we'll talk about it now, you know, what you're doing with Cheap. But, but tell us about entering the venture world. In many ways, I feel both like fortunate and there's like the, you know, shadow side of a first foray into a company like Quincy, who was very successful. Um, I joined to, like I said, I, I launched and ran soap.com, um, grew it to a hundred million dollar business before it got acquired, uh, along with the rest of the Quincy properties by Amazon. And, you know, as a first foray into startups, that is, uh, it's kind of an amazing story and not a typical story <laughs> for sure. Um, and in many ways it, really invigorated me to say like this startup thing is great. It's that 80-20 of the way of, of working that I really, really love where you need to focus on what's most important. You can't, you do not have time to get to the 20. But it also, I think, made it seem so much easier than it actually sometimes is because it was just such a great successful story. And, you know, I was working with two amazing co-founders of Mark Laurie and Vinnie Barrara. And so I think I, I walked away from that experience being like, oh, I can easily go and start my own thing right now and probably would have if I had had an idea that was just like calling to me at that moment, um, but instead went to a few other startups and realized just there's it, it's not always that um, amazing, always up into the right story. Um, and I don't think I would be the founder that I am today without having seen kind of the multiple different types of startups and cultures and experiences and the challenges that can really come with them. Yeah, because it was five years, you know, what it took you from, you know, that experience to really launching Cheap. So I guess in that period of time of five years, I mean, you had now the opportunity of being able to see like a rocket ship, right? Like you're like in this company, you know, taking off, the incredible exit. And now, you know, you're like for five years, you know, being able to experience also the good, the bad and the ugly. You know? So so what did you experience during those five years that you think formed you so well to really find yourself in a position or really saying to yourself, OK, I'm ready. Let's go. Yeah. I mean, I think that there were a few things that I learned. The number one thing that I think is just important in any startup is culture, which at Quincy, it was just like a, an amazing culture, a ton of autonomy. I mean, I, I think I mentioned, I'm, I'm not sure how I got that job, but, you know, Mark Laurie basically gave me the autonomy to launch and run this business. Um, and I worked so hard for that. And it just really instilled for me the, how much trust in people can unlock great potential to do great things at different companies. And not every place that I worked had that level of trust as like a fundamental part of like their culture and how to really unlock potential, which at the end of the day, no matter what the idea is, it's about execution and execution is about people. Um, so it was really great to be able to see 
different types of cultures and, and what they either bring out or don't bring out in people. And I would say, you know, the other thing that um, was really fun for me is that I was able to work across a bunch of different types of businesses. You know, I was in e-commerce and then did marketplaces. And I think there's just something really insightful about needing to understand the nuances that and become really smart about a new business and a new challenge uh, instead of just getting too immersed too deeply into to one thing. Um, and I was kind of across different functions and different industries. And I think it just made me a really good general athlete um, that, you know, as I went into being a founder myself, um, really meant that I was not worried about having to step into arenas that I had no experience in um, and needed to get smart on real quick. So then let's talk about 2018, because 2018 is the moment that you started Chief. So as they say, you know, ideas, you know, they're like dormant, right? Like they're there, you know, you don't even know that they're there, but there is certain events that really trigger you and push you over the edge to to get going. So what do you think was that journey for you? I mean, how was it from ideation all the way out to 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 really getting started and getting going? Yeah, it was by far the darkest part of probably my whole career <laughs> is the very early days of starting chief because you know you're you're somebody that has you know potentially has had a lot of success in other things and there's always that question of like is that attributable to you or is that attributable to the other people you're working with and for and the, you know the founders of these other businesses and this was the first time that like you put yourself forward and say like I'm doing this thing um, and it can so squarely be attributed to you. And I just had this constant fear that, you know, I uh, was about to <laughs> ruin my reputation with a horrible, horrible idea that just flamed out really quickly. Um, so it was by far the hardest time to just continue to have that confidence and say, you know, I really believe in this. And I think that gets compounded when you have a lot of people who are saying to you, we don't. Um, and I think for us, you know, we started, when we started Chief, we were even looking for <laughs> a lawyer to represent us as we wanted to incorporate and go and um, start to raise VC capital. And we had lawyers that were turning us down. And I'm like, oh my God, we're trying to pay you. <laughs> What's going to happen? We actually try to go and raise VC dollars when we're asking for money. Um, and we can't even get a lawyer to pay um, to represent us. And so I think it's just really, it, it just made it so much clearer. I had been you know, a senior executive at, at various places and there's just something so different about being a founder and how much uh, weight and responsibility that brings. and how much more the nose really hit you. Um, yeah. So those early days were really tough. And even for Lindsay and I, my co-founder, Lindsay and I, it was kind of like just the two of us. So even as we started to, you know, talk about the experience and you'd be debating it, you were just kind of talking in this echo chamber without any feedback from people that it's actually a really tough time, even in a partnership of like, as soon as we launched, it was us against the world. But as you're kind of in that first echo chamber, it can sometimes feel even like us against us. Um, so yeah. definitely one of the hardest times for sure. Hey, guys. So pardon the interruption here. I got to tell you that, you know, for those of you that are either looking to raise money or you're looking to get your company acquired, 
you don't have to be alone. You know, there's a lot of psychology that needs to be blended with strategy, with methodology, with process. And it's very hard. And already doing your business alone is super, super difficult. So I remember, you know, back when I was an entrepreneur, I kept really experiencing the challenge of either knowing or finding the right type of access to the right type of investors or really understanding what was the right type of guidance, you know, that would carry me through the process, whether it was with seeking money or with going through the acquisition. So that gap that I found being an entrepreneur is ultimately what pushed me later on when I met my co-founder at Pantera, Mike Sieverson, to really put together an advisory firm where we are guiding entrepreneurs and founding teams through the capital raising efforts, whether you are at a seed stage or at a series A stage, or if you are going through the process of an acquisition and you are in small to mid cap type of cycle. So again, you know, we would help you from guiding you and, and supporting you from A to C all the way to the end as an extension of your team. And there's no reason for you to do this alone. So with that being said, if you would like to find out more, feel free to send me an email at alejandro at panteraadvisors.com and we would love to take a look at helping you out. And what ended up being the business model of Chief for the people that are listening to get it? How do you guys make money? Yeah, so Chief is a, it's a professional network focused on senior executive women. So our mission is really to drive more women into positions of leadership and keep them there. And I think what so often happens as you get more senior in your career, you end up spending all of your time mentoring others and managing your teams, and you no longer actually have a community to be able to turn to, to work through your biggest professional and personal challenges. And they often have bigger ripple effects when you make a bad decision or you're not being the best leader that you can be. Uh, so we are really have created a community of of executive women uh, because if it's lonely at the top, it's lonely a lot sooner for women. And our business model is we are an annual membership for majority, vast majority of our members. They actually get it sponsored by their companies. So in the same way that you would get a sponsorship to go to a you know conference, in the same way that you would get sponsorship to get an executive coach. They get sponsored to do chief. Uh, and like I said, it's a full year that you are a member with us and you get access to a whole suite of services. But the one that we often talk about the most is what we call core, which is a peer group coaching model. So we take everybody that joins chief and we really curate into groups of 10. Uh, and they're really people who would understand your true level of seniority and context. And you meet on a monthly basis. There's an executive coach in the room. And so it's a really powerful way to be able to tap into resources to, to tackle those professional and personal challenges. And up until now, how much capital have you guys raised to date? We have officially raised $140 million in capital. Wow. I mean, that's a lot of zeros. Eh? That's amazing. <laughs> so, so, so I guess same. You know, for you guys, how has it been the experience going from one, you know, financing cycle to the next? Yeah, I mean, every fundraise has challenges and has difficulties, but every one of them is is different. Um, and I would say the the most challenging for us was our was our seed round. 
where, you know, I was telling the story about getting no's from lawyers. Well, that played forward a little bit to our seed funding. And I think that there was perhaps a little bit of like naivety for me and for Lindsay, because, you know, we had been in the startup world. Um, we had a lot of great connections in the VC community. And everybody tells you that the first um, checks are really about like you as a founder. <laughs> and, you know, do you have faith in you as a founder? And, uh, and we had a lot of those relationships, but it still didn't really result in um, a ton of, of backing in those very early days. And so, you know, it was a, a bit of a slog. And there were many moments where Lindsay and I were actually like, do we need to change the business model? Do we need to like, how do we take all this feedback? Or there's things that we need to reevaluate. And it really got in our head to the point that we were starting to think about some of that stuff. And thank God, we just didn't have enough time in between meetings that we had for, you know, fundraising that we didn't change and we didn't pivot and we found the right partners that really believed in us and what we wanted to build. And it allowed us to keep that passion for what we wanted to build and why we wanted to build it that I think allowed us to be successful in the long run. So by far the hardest was our was our seed round. And then fast forward to our series A, which was about a year after we had done our seed round. And um, it was a little bit night and day in, in that we had a number of term sheets before I actually stopped the process and said, I know who we want to go with. Um, and it was a wonderful moment where there was actually quite a few people who had said no to us in the seed that were trying to come uh, and get in our A, uh, which is always a <laughs> much more fun experience than the other way right. around. And so was really fortunate to have some great partners come in during our, our Series A for sure. So. Now, the most recent uh, financing was the most uh, probably special one. So what made it special? Yeah. So we just raised our Series B at the very end, uh, very beginning of this year of 2022. And I think for us, we had raised our Series A in the beginning of uh, in, in 2019. And so if you realize what happened in between uh, the 2019 fundraise and the 2022 fundraise. It's a pretty big pandemic right there in the middle of it. And I think, you know, early 2020, we were a company that was had a lot of in-person experiences and had to pivot everything to virtual. And we were probably at the very top of every one of our investors lists. And not like the good list, like the bad list of like, <laughs> what's going to happen with this company? And so I think part of what made me just like so incredibly proud of this latest fundraising was we went through that pivot. In many ways, we made the business stronger um, through that experience. And we're able to kind of culminate with a national launch across the whole US um, at the beginning of this year that we then went and, play, and closed this latest round uh, with Capital G, you know, $100 million raise and officially became a unicorn and was just a special moment, a really special moment for sure. That's amazing. Now, for the people that are listening, you know, to really get an idea on the scope and size of Chief, anything that you can share maybe around number of employees or anything else that you feel comfortable sharing? Sure. So... We are now as a, as a community, like I said, we've launched nationally. So we have members across the U.S. 
Um, we are over 15,000 members um, across the U.S., which has been amazing. And as part of the national, uh, as part of the national launch, we went on this really fun national tour that we got to meet members in person again for um, some of the first times since the pandemic. And it's just been really wonderful to see and be able to hear the impact of what Chief has done for so many women. Um, and it's just, again, a, a, a really special moment in, in the context of everything that happened at the beginning of this year. Um, we as a team are now about 250 employees. We have our first big team offsite next week. Um, so it's one of the first times that we as a team are able to come together. And I think it's just, um, I'm sure there's a lot of other founders that feel this way, but you know, for the last few years, we've all been a little isolated in many ways and just haven't had a great opportunity to come together to celebrate, to see how tall we all are <laughs> or aren't, uh, that I think I'm going to be a little blown away next week when we all come together. And, and I'm like, oh my God, we have a lot of people here. <laughs> at Chief. <laughs> <laughs> That's amazing. And, and, and one question here that comes to mind is, imagine if you were to go to sleep tonight mm-hmm. and you wake up in a world where the, I, the, the vision for Chief is fully realized. What does that world look like? Yeah. So first I uh, on a red eye tonight. <laughs> so <laughs> I don't know that I'll be going to sleep tonight, really. Um, <laughs> that part of the question might not actually be materialized, but let's say I did. Um, I think, uh, for me, there's just a really clear mission behind chief and that is to change the face of leadership. And for us, that is twofold. It is both the representation of who is in leadership. Obviously, we're really focused on trying to get gender parity in leadership. And so being in a world where the those rooms really do show equality across both gender, race, everything, that is, you know, my my ultimate vision. But the second part of that mission of changing the face of leadership is also no matter who's in that room, that we uh, really focus on how do we create the best leaders that um, really do have you know that servant leadership mindset and uh, empathy to everybody that they're managing and the teams that are building and really excited about both sides of that at Chief. You know it's amazing uh, what you guys are doing. I mean I'm 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 a girl's dad, so I have three daughters, three little daughters, and I was telling my wife not long ago that that I was just so happy, you know, for the world that they get to live in now as women eh, because it's a different time. And I find that, you know, initiatives like, like what you guys are doing with Chief is just incredible. And, and, and I think that there has never been a better time in history to be a woman than now, which is incredible. And I am so happy that that's the case. And, and I guess, you know, one of the things that come to mind here is, you know, I find that as a founder, it's also all about being at the right time in history. Mm-hmm. And it sounds and it appears to me uh, that is the case now that the wind is blowing on your back, you know, with, with this initiative of, of Chief. So how do you think that, that things have been shaping up as well, you know, in this regard for you, for you and, and also for being able to push, you know, Chief? Yeah, I mean, I think that there's a number of things that have created a very interesting dynamic for something like Chief. Obviously, 
the one that you are most specifically referencing is that there's finally some real focus and awareness of of diversity and uh, equal representation and that companies are really um, being held and holding themselves accountable for for driving that change. And so, you know, I think that that is definitely a tailwind for us that has been a big benefit. But I also think that there's so many beyond that things that are happening for companies and just the, you know, how how companies are supporting their teams that also play very much into this. So I think that people are really focused on, you know, what is the new way of working, whether it's hybrid or in person or all remote. And in almost any variation of that, the ecosystem that was the company is no longer, you know, just the solo social arena that like people are so used to playing in. And I think people are really looking for additional communities of, of people to be able to be inspired by and look to for support and have friendship. And so I think that there's something really important in that that also has created a uh, important tailwind for us and why companies would be investing in something like Chief. And I, I'd say the third is also like the focus on mental health and investment in helping people become great leaders. It was not that long ago that it used to be if you had an executive coach, people would look at you funny and and think that it was actually because it was a problem of like, oh, something must be going really wrong if, if you have an executive coach. And that has just completely, now it feels like everybody does. And if you don't, it's like, wait, what's wrong with you now if you don't have one? Um, and I think that just, you know, the level of investment that people are making across the board in um, you know top talent is something that is also a, a big part of the trends that that really makes something like Chief possible. So I would very much support. Sometimes it's better to be lucky than good. Um, although I think you sometimes make your own luck, and I think there was a reason why this felt like the right time to go and build something like Chief. Well, as they say, lucky is a preparation meeting opportunity. No? So uh, you guys were definitely well prepared for, for tackling this. Now, imagine if I was to put you into a time machine and I bring you back in time, mm. maybe back to 2018. Now, when you were, you know, uh, thinking about doing something of your own, you know, thinking about being the right time now to, to, to go at it. If you had the opportunity of having a sit down, with that younger self and give you that younger self one piece of advice before launching a business. What would that be and why, given what you know now? Oh, man. I sure, I, I'm really glad I can't go back to that time because like I said, it was <laughs> <definitely> <laughs> <the hardest. laughs> like, I just want to keep looking forward. Don't pull me back. Um, I, I could never have imagined that Chief would be where it is um, and have had the impact that it has had. Um, and I think that it's a little surreal to think about that and where we've been able to come. I always knew that Chief could be a really powerful part of the world and wanted to build that, but I never thought we would get to where we are in the amount of time that we've been able to get to. I honestly think the thing that I would tell myself though, uh, and part of it is because it is such a hard early time, is that almost my entire identity got wrapped up in launching, launching chief, the success of chief, 
and everything and anything riding on that, that like, I, that was almost unhealthy. Um, and I think the things that I have like managed to find since then are making sure that like that balance remains in, in your life, that you have these communities and these ecosystems outside of the like VC world and the startup world that reminds you that like, you're okay. Um, even in the really, really hard times. Um, and I think that so often people are like, I need to meet every single person I can in VC. And like, this has to be like my entire consumed life. And I think there's, you know, that's one way to go about it. And, but I think it's a really hard thing to sustain and it's not necessarily healthy for you or the team that you build. And I wish I could go back and just do that a lot earlier for myself. It would have been a, a much happier early part of, of the chief story for sure. I love it. And Caroline, for the people that are listening that would like to reach out and say hi, what is the best way for them to do so? Yeah, my co-founder makes fun of me all the time because I am not a particularly active social <laughs> media user. Um, so uh, don't slide into my DMs on Twitter. I will never see them. Um, and uh, I, I'm very LinkedIn oriented. So best way to get in touch with me is over LinkedIn. Um, and you can always go to chief.com. And uh, if you're interested in applying, uh, you can just go right to chief.com and apply. But uh, yeah, that's the best way to get in touch with me. Amazing. Well, hey, Carolyn, it has been an honor to have you with us on the show today. Thank you so, so much for being on the DealMaker Show today. Yeah, thank you. It was a lot of fun. If you like the show, make sure that you hit that subscribe button. If you could leave a review as well, that would be fantastic. And if you got any value, either from this episode or from the show itself, share it with a friend. Perhaps they also appreciate it. So also remember that if you need any help, whether it is with your fundraising efforts, or with selling your business, you can reach me at alejandro at pantheraadvisors.com. You've reached the end of another episode of the Dealmakers podcast. For free resources and materials, head over to alejandrocremades.com. Thank you for listening and see you at the next episode.